Welcome to the Northeast Community Church Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to know more about us, visit us on the web at necommunity.church. This light was shining over my shoulders. I began to see a small, bright, brilliant glow that got bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's the brightest thing you can imagine, but I could look at it. And I never, ever wanted to leave. 64.6% of near-death experiencers describe an unearthly, beautiful, mystical light. They feel overwhelming love. It's sort of like a million times a million of any love they ever felt on Earth. They did see the magnificence of just the light shining forth in everything, bringing life to everything. And the light was not just something you would see. This was really a light born out of love. This God of light, this God is personal. He knows them like no one has ever known them. He loves me so much. By the time I'm thinking of him loving me, it's old news because he even loves me more. Then I felt this tremendous amount of love and I knew I was in the presence of God. Well, thanks for tuning in to our online service. We're so glad that you had an opportunity to come and stop by and pay us a visit this morning. And for the past few weeks, we've been talking about or we've been learning about people who had clinically died and came back to life. The scientific community calls these near-death experiences which is a bit ironic to me because they died. They literally died and came back. But for the sake of keeping the communication straight, we'll go ahead and we'll call them NDEs or near-death experience. And people who experienced them, we'll be calling them NDEers. And as we looked at these NDE experiences, uh, we've been tracking their reports against what we find in the Bible. The goal again is not to validate the Bible by their reports, but instead to look at scripture in light of what their claims have been. And in the preceding weeks, we've talked about evidence of the afterlife. We've talked about relationships in heaven, and we've talked about the beautiful place. And if you haven't had a chance to look at those uh, messages yet, please feel free to go to our website and look at the videos, or you can also uh, download the podcast and listen to it on the go. Today, we want to discuss the topic of the highlight of heaven. In the intro clip, all the NDEers described a source of light or experiencing a source of light that wasn't from this world. They reported uh, brilliant light. Some reported life-giving light, uh, light born out of love, another said. And some even talked about a consuming type of love that felt like it was renewing itself moment by moment. The beautiful thing about the light is in it, God presented himself as a deeply personal God. We often hear arguments, however, that depending on how people grow up, it skews their perspective about God and the afterlife. Some say he's a life force. Others say he's the universe or energy, or even that he's not there at all. He's just a figment of our imagination. So I have a question. What are your thoughts of God this morning? If you're consuming this content on a platform that allows you to comment down in the chat box, let us know. What do you think about God this morning? 
Two Scandinavian researchers studied 500 American and 500 Indian Indie ears to see how their cultural conditioning shaped the way that they viewed God and the afterlife. They reported the various Vedic Loki of an afterlife, Hindu heaven, were never mentioned, nor were reincarnation or dissolution in Brahma, the formless aspect of God, which is the goal of the Indian spiritual striving, the concept of karma, accumulation of merits or demerits, may have been vaguely suggested by reports of a white-robed man with a book of accounts. The vast majority of ears, more than thousands all across the globe, talked about this brilliant light and this highly personal person or being who was a man of light. You might be thinking, I've heard about all this before in the talks about uh, the light at the end of the tunnel or when people die, they see a light. But isn't that scientifically proven to be synaptics in our brain and neurons in our brain just firing off at the same time? Well, these indie ears didn't just talk about or claim seeing a light. They say they experienced a man of light who had a book of accounts. And we'll go in more detail about that book and account, that book of accounts next week. I'm just saying, I'm just observing. And let's see what the scripture says. In the Old Testament, uh, the prophet Daniel said this, his body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like a gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. Jesus' followers themselves talk about an experience where Jesus transformed into a state that they said, his face shone like the light and his clothes became as white as the light. Jesus himself even said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. After Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, we see one of the world's most famous apostles talk about a traumatic experience that he had with Jesus. This is the apostle Paul. He was actually killing Christians because he thought that was what God wanted. Paul meets this God of light that everyone has previously been reporting. God of light is actually, you guessed it, Jesus. Paul went on to be one of the most outspoken advocates for Jesus Christ, writing many books of the New Testament and ultimately losing his own life for the sake of Christ. This is the same God that ears experienced from all over the globe, not just from Christian majority countries. They all describe God as the person who Jesus claimed himself to be. Many of them never expected to ever meet Jesus when they died. Yet there he was after they breathed their last breath. Let's listen to some of the accounts. I grew up in Council Iowa in a Jewish family. My dad had a mantra. Jesus Christ is the biggest hoax ever perpetrated on mankind. Christians are idiots for having hope. Your life has less significance than the smallest speck of dust in this infinite universe. I had known from some time in that afternoon that I was dying. I never thought to pray, never thought about God. I knew that there was no life after death, and so the thought of death was just extremely terrifying because it just means end. I have an overdose. All I remember is that they're loading me up into the back of the ambulance. I thought that if I died, that was it, game over, it's done. 
We were in an accident where another horse ran into my horse. She reared up, flipped over backwards with me on her back and fell across my body. As she hit my chest, I immediately left my body. I realized there was a person standing right there and he moved forward and I looked at him and he looked at me and it's like, oh Jesus, oh, hey. <laughs> it's like, how you doing? I knew that I had known him my entire life. He took my hand and we flew. It was like we had this wave of light under our feet pushing us forward and he was grinning from ear to ear. I saw out of the light hands and arms emerge out of this impossibly beautiful white light. I knew it was Jesus. He just gently picked me up and held me up against him real tight up against his chest. There was a sense of peace and I feel the presence of God when I got on the other side of the forest, that's when I saw Jesus Christ. He was real bright, brighter than any light I've ever seen, even the sun. It was as though his hair, his eyes, his skin were all the colors simultaneously. I cried out the name of Jesus Christ. The next moment, I felt his face. And the first thing I remember saying is, this is love and I buried my face against his chest and I put my arms around him and he had his arms around me and I never, ever wanted to leave. What are you looking forward to when you finally see him? Let us know in the comments. Last week, as we talked about the most beautiful place, we talked about some things that I need to circle back around to and maybe park there for a second. Whenever you travel from city to city, uh, you can go to sites like Expedia or these different travel sites and they'll tell you about the highlights of particular cities, the things that you need to see, the coming attractions of every single city. And that's one thing that I think John experienced in the book of Revelation as he was traveling around this new heaven and this new earth, this new Jerusalem or the city of God where all things were made new. Now, John was no stranger to worshiping God and knowing Jesus. He was actually one of Jesus's followers and he was on, he was exiled to this island of Patmos for his faith in Christ. And so when he saw this vision of heaven, he saw the new heaven and a new earth. Something struck him. And in his writing about this new heaven and this new earth, he pointed out something that might seem a little strange to us, because after all, Heaven is about worship, right? Listen to this. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need for sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And his gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. No temple? Doesn't that sound odd? It would have especially sounded odd to a first century believer. But John points out the highlight of the city of God is there was no temple. To our human mind, that may sound a little bit strange, given our capacity to equate God's presence in our gatherings and houses of worship. Like nobody wants to go to a church where they don't sense God's presence, right? Now, listen, I'm not trying to be controversial here, and I'm certainly not minimizing the importance of gathering. The scripture is clear. Don't forsake the gathering of the believers. But we're in a season right now where we're called to gather differently. 
like many of you are now gathering in your living rooms or sitting at your laptops or on your phone or maybe even consuming this content days later. Here's the thing that I want to get across right now in this moment. We should not make an idol out of the gathering. Jesus spoke of the gathering in light of connection. Jesus was more concerned with us connecting with one another as we gathered than the actual gathering itself. It's not about the liturgical things that we do or the ways that we've come accustomed to worshiping in our different cultures or different environments. It's more about connecting our hearts together as we worship the one and true God. And now in this day and time, because of COVID-19, because of the coronavirus, we're called to gather at distances. We're called to gather separated. But ultimately, it's about the connection. It's not about the space or about the place. Connections were what Jesus was after. I find it funny that I'm reading this on this day, in this hour, and that when we get to heaven, there will be no temple. Why? Because God's presence will be continually felt. It was at the temple that we should feel the epitome of God's love, loving God and loving others. Now, let me put this into another context really quick. We are the temples of God, the Bible says. The Holy Spirit dwells on the inside of us, which makes us the temples of God. We're learning that buildings don't make the church. I heard just recently on a podcast, a pastor opened up his church, uh, thousands of seats, a big auditorium uh, just last year. And now he said it's a glorified production studio. The one thing, the one true thing that a church cannot do without is the presence of Christ. And so if Christ is in our midst, no matter the method of gathering, it's legitimate. It's a church gathering if God's presence is in it. And I sense God's presence is in our community. And I sense God's presence is in the community of that pastor who opened the big facility and now they can't meet in it. I think God's presence is there too. And that's the thing we need to be focusing on this hour is being the church, connecting one with one another and being the light of the world. So back to the message. What's the significance of the light? Well, according to Isaiah 60, 19 and 20, we can, we can derive this. The sun shall no more be your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give you light. But the Lord will be your everlasting light and your God will be your glory. Your sun shall no more go down, nor your moon withdraw itself. For the Lord will be your everlasting light and your days of mourning shall be ended. That light that people experience when they die is not brain activity. It's a vehicle for a personal God to reveal his presence. Light is significant because it's a personal experience. It's a personal connection with God. Psalm 36, nine says this, for with you is a fountain of life and in your light do we see light. The psalmist introduces us now in Psalm 36, a connection between light and life. So how do they interplay with one another? Well, in 1 John chapter 1, verses 5-7, through 7, it says this. This is the message 
we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. It's impossible to walk with God and allow darkness to remain. This is why we saw all the people who had an encounter with him say that they didn't see a single shadow in this great, beautiful city. And some may argue, why can't I see God? If God is real, why can't he reveal himself? Well, the truth of the matter is, it's because there's sin in our lives. The children of Israel, all those years they lived and walked the earth, they had to do various things to be able to even come into the presence of a holy God. Uh, before people would go into the temple where God's presence would dwell. Now we know God encompasses the entire universe, but he chose to manifest himself differently in certain places. And so even before they could enter the temple, they had to do certain religious uh, things uh, and rites to even be able to enter into the presence of a holy God. And now we find in scripture that Jesus is the express image of the Father. Therefore, he allows us to see God the Father through God the Son. Some of y'all still don't believe me. 1 John chapter 2, verse 8 through 10 says this. At the time, at the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling. You see, John's vocabulary is so important to unraveling what some of the indie ears were actually seeing. You see, light defines our reality at least is one of the most defining characteristics of our reality. Everything we see, how we perceive reality, is based on light bouncing off of objects, around objects. Vision is impossible without light. We don't see God because some of us don't want to see God. Some of us don't want to give up the darkness that's in our life. The reality is we don't want the light because the light will expose our deeds for what they are. It's like going into the kitchen when I used to live in a project and flipping on the lights and the roaches knew that they weren't supposed to be there. And so when I flipped on the light, they scattered. And so based on your relationship with Christ, your interaction with the light will change. And we'll talk a little bit about that later. You see, Jesus himself proclaimed himself to be the light. During a certain time of year called the Feast of Tabernacles, also called the feasts of the feast of booths, booths, booths. Say that fast, fifteen times. Suckering plucking path. There was a great ceremony called the illumination of the temple, where these great big uh, oil-fed lamps uh, inside the court of the women were uh, lit up, and they were thought to be about seventy-five feet high, and they would light the temple. They would light the entire city at night, and. Um, and it was designed to remind the children of Israel how God led them by a pillar of fire by night 
when they were in the wilderness. The holiest men of Israel danced and sang psalms of joy and praise before the Lord. The festival was reminding them that God had promised to send a light to release them from bondage and restore their joy. Imagine you were in ancient Israel at this time. Visualize these great big menorahs lighting up the sky. See, we don't really have context for that because we don't have, uh, they, we, we, we don't really use uh, natural light like that. We, we uh, especially not at nighttime. We have artificial lights created by electricity. And it's an historical fact that uh, in cities, even as we became more modernized, they had these big lamps on the streets. And at night, there would have to be a lamp lighter and they would go and light these oral lamps at nighttime. And then when the advent of electricity happened, uh, people were freaking out because of the technology of the day that they were going to now just be able to flip a switch and lights were going to be able to come on and they wouldn't need to go and light lamps at night. Even the religious leaders thought that hell was probably going to uh, 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 bust open because it was messing up God's natural order of light and day. I mean, of night and day. And so put yourself in an ancient mindset as best as you can. Now imagine Jesus's words as he's uh, being a part of one of these festivals. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In this statement, Jesus is proclaiming that he is the light that God is sending. So you might be asking, I've seen some near-death experiences. I've heard you say all these things about Jesus and God being light. But what does that have to do with me? Even how can that practically pertain to my life as a believer? How should I be interacting with this light? Well, I'm going to give you a few things, but I want to say this before I say anything else. These things are not ways to bribe God. Rather, they are a privilege for us to engage in and be a part of the light. First and foremost, without this, there is no hope. And that is receiving the spirit of God. And what does that mean? That means asking God to encounter your life and encompass your heart and allow him to direct your life. The Bible says that if you believe with your mouth and confess, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and that entails that you believe that he died on the cross for your sins and you want to accept his death for your death to come, then the God, the, the God of the Bible says that he will send his spirit to live on the inside of you. And so first and foremost, we have to start there. Second, prayer. You interact with the light through prayer. We don't only pray about stuff that we want or stuff that we need. The idea is that prayer provides light and resists darkness. The Bible tells us that we should persevere in prayer, praying at all times about all things. Third, we need to start reading, studying, and applying the Bible or what Christ says to our lives. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Fourth, when you hear, when you read, do it with the purpose of doing. There's definitely an application in this story. Listen, as he passed by, he saw a, blind man, he saw a man blind from birth. 
And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it is not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming where no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and he came back seeing. Jesus said that as long as he was in the world, he was the light of the world. That's why he also said when he died, he said he must go that a comforter may come. And then we understand that not only was he the light, but when he came and dwelled on the inside of us through the person of the Holy Spirit, now we are the light of the world. And there was an application point for the blind man. When he went and when Jesus said go, his eyes were open because he went and he did what Jesus told him to do. What is Jesus telling you to do? Number five, living in Christian community. Matthew 5, 14 says this, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. How are you supposed to let your light shine? Are you hiding your light or are you shining your light? Are you allowing Christ to do the things in your life that he wants to do in your life and in your heart? Or are you hiding your light under a bushel? Number six, serve others with the intention of leading them to light. I don't know about you, but I need the light. I don't need it when I get to heaven only. I'm going to enjoy it when I get to heaven, but I need that light in my life and in my heart right now. How to live my life on a daily basis. And it's going to be awesome. It's going to be sweet in the sweet by and by, but I need him today. When he seems silent, he's still the light. Some of us feel like he stopped speaking to us. Some of us feel like he stopped speaking to our hearts. But let me tell you something. He is still the light. The very fact that people who weren't believers when they died, they had an experience with this encompassing love, this all-encompassing love. How much more us who believe? It's not too late until your lights go out. Listen, God wants to shine his light upon you. God wants to shine his light in your heart and in your life. We can be exalted all we want to in the darkness amongst dark things. But when the light comes and it appears and it shines on us, we have no choice but to be humbled. First John taught us that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Listen, Jesus is coming after every dark part in your life. Light permeates in every space that is allowed. And Jesus is simply wanting to expose the areas of darkness, not to tear you down, but to tell you how marvelous his light is. Some of you might have just said, amen, while others are like, yeah, I'm not convinced I need a relationship with Jesus. I'm not convinced that I need that light in my life. And if God is real and wants to be known and wants a personal relationship with me, why hasn't he made himself relatable to me? Listen, he has through the person of Jesus Christ. He came, he was born like you and I. He walked through life 
experiencing temptations, experiencing hurt, experiencing pains. He was hung on a cross to die the most excruciating death that anybody's ever experienced, all so that he can relate to us. So that he can say that he's our great high priest. So that we can serve a God who knows our infirmities and knows our pains. So let me ask you this. If God is real and wants a personal relationship with you, does it make you want to learn or discover more about him? Hit us up in the chat and let us know why or why not. If you would like to make a decision to explore more about faith in Christ this morning, listen, I would love for you to email us at elders at anycommunity.church. We would love to have a conversation with you about what it means that God came and died and made himself relatable to us. He knows your pain. He knows your hurt. And he just wants to spend time with you. Listen, for the next few moments, this is what we want to do. I want you to think about the dark areas of your life that keep the light from shining in. Those areas that may be still prevailing in your life. Those shadows that you try and hide from God. Remember, he's an all-consuming light. He sees everything, he knows everything, and he still loves you. Let that brilliant light shine on you right now. Don't wait until the moment that you've taken your last breath. Just those areas, just those shortcomings, present them to God right now. And if you don't know how, just say, God, I confess, fill in the blank. That Jesus died on the cross for that sin and I'm still holding on to it. I'm still playing with it. And let God minister to your heart right now. And we'll be right back. Well, I pray that God showed his healing love in those moments. And if you're still not convinced, listen, our email is still the same. Elders at anycommunity.church. We would love to speak with you. Pray for you. If you have prayer requests, email that email address. If you need someone to talk to, email that address. Listen, there is a life after we leave this planet. And what you'll experience in the afterlife is directly impacted by what we do in this life. I encourage you, if you made it this far, to come back next week. We're going to talk about life reviews. When people stood in the presence of God and they've seen everything about their entire life and what that experience was like. Listen, I love you guys. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to allow your light to shine in our lives and our hearts. Lord, we thank you that your life, Lord, we thank you that your light is life. And that if we're in you, Lord, we can't walk in darkness, but we have to walk in light because you are light. And Lord, those things that people experience in heaven, Lord, some of us we look forward to. Others of, us, others of us don't quite get it. Some of us don't even know what to believe. Lord, I just pray that you will continue to pour out your light in our hearts. 
Your word says no one comes into the Father unless the Spirit draws them. And Lord, we pray for a drawing right now. Continue to lead us. Continue to direct us. Continue to guide us towards the light. Continue to teach us how to walk towards the light. Father, we love you. And we give you glory. And we thank you for the highlight of heaven. And that is that we will be with you, Jesus. We will walk with you for eternity because you are the author and the finisher of our faith and your light never goes out. It's never extinguished. We love you. We give you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to know more about us, please visit us at anycommunity.church.